Awesome. Well, hey, uh, welcome, Logan. I'm so thankful that, uh, yeah, you're down to chat today and, and talk a little bit about young adult ministry, um, about groups, about community. Um, and so, yeah, for our young adults here at, at Sanctus Church, how about you tell um, us just a little bit about um, who you are as a leader, about uh, the church that you're part of, River Valley, and your role there um, leading 20 plus the, the young adult ministry? Uh, your church, and um, I have the privilege to serve at a church called River Valley. Um, we've been around for, it'll be our 25th year this year. Um, so we started in a small school, and now we've grown. We have around nine nine campuses currently, and um, we have services on the university, and um, we have been uh, doing that for a while now. And now we, uh, or I jumped in three years ago, and I serve on our young adult ministry. So I have a very similar role to you, and oversee that for all of our different campuses. And uh, River Valley as a whole, we, um, every weekend, you know, have the privilege to have around, you know, 10,000 people worship with us um, in, here in the Minneapolis area. And so uh, it's, a, it's a big privilege. It's a huge opportunity that we are stewarding right now, but we're grateful that God's given that to us. And I have the privilege to help kind of with our young adults, some digital strategy as well. Um, sometimes the young adults, you wear multiple hats, um, but the last three years have been amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So how, yeah, tell us a little bit about um, how 20 plus is kind of set up. Like what do you guys do in the year? How's it structured? Uh, what yeah. would it be like if a young adult joined 20 plus? Totally. Yeah. Hopefully a great experience. Um, so for, I think in young adult ministry and maybe some of your leaders have experienced this, but it's always changing. You know, there's always different things that are happening right now. We have a, a pretty good rhythm that we, we enjoy um, where we kind of kick off our year with a big event um, and, that's like our school year as well as the new year. So usually in September and in uh, January, February, we do a big event and kind of get all of our campuses together. And then um, weekly we're in groups and groups is a big part of what we do. I think a lot of the best discipleship happens in groups. Um, and those are made up of different leaders um, from across our campuses. Some of them are college students who are freshmen. Others are, you know, young adults who are into their careers and usually the groups reflect the leader as far as the people that are in their group. Um, but we have uh, around a little over like, it's like ends up being a, like 30 groups uh, at our campuses um, across that I get to lead. And then I have some regional leaders as well that lead those people because I'm not able to lead 30 uh, groups with multiple leaders at one time. And so we have some great leaders that do that in, in our regions and uh, then every month, what we do right now is we have three weeks of groups, and then our fourth week, we come together by region. Um, rather than having all the campuses come together, it can be a little overwhelming to have that many people. We kind of break down in regions and do smaller group settings um, of maybe anywhere from 60 to you know a couple hundred people um, that, that go to those. And so um, that happens once a month. And instead of life groups, they go to that. Um, that just works for us. And we call those culture combos. And those are a great uh, time to hear from different guests, talk about topics in culture, whether that be relationships or mental health or um, insecurity, all of those things that we, we do. So that's kind of our rhythm and our model that we do. And then we usually take a break in May and um, at the end of August for a few weeks and then uh, around Christmas time. So to break things up a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So how about um, if someone was to join a group, um, what would a, a group look like for you guys, a life group in terms of? you know, the, the leaders and kind of like what you guys would do each night at a group and what would that experience be like for someone? 
Yeah, so right now all of our groups meet on Thursday nights, and that's just a, a way for us to build unity. Also, church calendars get really busy, and so um, sometimes we found some of our other groups that were based upon, you know, like Alpha or Freedom is what one, we call one of our groups, or um, Financial Peace University. Um, I know in Canada, I don't think you can have Financial Peace University because the name university. Um, but uh, anyways, um, we have those groups that happen on other days. So Thursday night is uh, our night for groups. And so if somebody would show up, uh, I mean, our, our model is built where anyone could come throughout the semester. One of the things that we've loved about this new system for us is we change topics every four weeks. And so people who show up at our culture combo event it's a really great influx point for people to get involved in the group because it's, Oh, Hey, are you in a group next Thursday? You're, you're here on a Thursday. You're already free that night. Um, you know, you should show up next week to group. So we see that as a really good way to, to meet new people. Um, but a group, the way it would look is usually the first 30 minutes we're hanging out, um, just having a good time. Um, usually try and have someone in the group bring snacks. Obviously as college students and young adults, that can be a financial burden. Um, but we usually try and move that around. And then um, right now what we're doing is we're actually filming videos that I record. Um, we have all those up on YouTube, but we, we premiere a new video every Thursday um, of me teaching a short message. Um, we just wrapped up a series on James, um, but I'll basically talk about what God's speaking to me, what I want the groups to be talking about. Um, and then the leader will take it from there. So those are anywhere from four minutes to 10 minutes long. And then the leader has a discussion time. And then after, which is probably, I think, our best part that we get feedback from all of our leaders is we do prayer and we break down the groups of two, three or four, um, you know, guys and girls separately and just really, you know, talk about what God's doing. And we've actually seen those times grow. Originally, the discussion was around 30 or 40 minutes and prayer was about, you know, 10. We've seen discussion be about more 20 and prayer be more 20, 25 because, we see a lot of people grow in that time where they're maybe not comfortable to share to a group of 12, but they would be to a group of two or three. And then after that prayer time, obviously, um, you know, hanging out after if the, the leader is available to host that, but that's a typical life group night um, that we do. And uh, it's worked well for us right now. Oh, that's awesome. That's great to hear. So in terms of leaders, cause a lot of the, the people listening to, this for us will be some of our, our group leaders and, and people interested in being leaders in the future. What would you say um, are just some of the qualities that you've seen in uh, your leaders that are maybe leading really great groups, really healthy groups, um, creating good culture? What do you look for, I guess, in, in a leader? Yeah, I think a big thing that I look for is do people love people? And it sounds simple, but I think if you're going to be a group leader, if, you're, if you are one now or if you're looking to be one, you have to love people and want to see them grow. I think sometimes people think they want to be a leader because they want a mantle of responsibility or they want a platform. And I think some of those things are okay to want. It's not, not bad or sin necessarily. Uh, but I think if that's the only reason we want them, we miss the real uh, win of small groups is uh, to have relationships with people. And so Honestly, if you're looking for a group of your next best friends, that's, that should be your small group or your life group. And um, I think that if that's the attitude you have, you're going to have an amazing group. I know for me, even as the pastor of the ministry, the people that I'm FaceTiming with the most, the people that I'm texting the most, the people who are in my groups are people who've been in past groups with me. It's literally the place where you should go to find your best friends and to hang out with them. And so if you're someone who doesn't have a lot of friends, what a great place to go. And so 
I also think a great quality of a, of a life group leader. Um, do you call them life groups, by the way, or small groups? or uh, We do yeah, young adult groups, as we call them. Okay, so, you, so if you're a young adult group leader, you know, it's like you should want to bring people in. If you say, hey, we got eight people, and that's the max, and they're all my best friends, and, and you just kind of isolate yourself, I think um, you're missing an opportunity to reach people who are really lonely. And so as a leader, being caring about people, and I think if you do, the second one's going to be hit, which is going to be an, be an inviting culture. Um, I heard this from a leader the other day. I, I, I had a chance to um, hear a conversation, and he said they changed their values of their organization. It's a billion-dollar organization, and their one of their value values was um, to uh, be like open with everybody, like be willing to accept anybody um, into their circles. And he said we changed that because it was not actionable enough. We changed it to instead of being open for anybody to come, welcoming even, we're going to be inviting. And we're actually going to go and bring people into our groups. And so I think as a group leader, um, that goes not just on inviting somebody to your group, but when they show up to say, I'm going to make you feel welcome by pulling you in, by introducing you to people. We, we see this happen even in our groups. And I, I, I hate hearing when it does happen, but it's, you know, okay, they showed up and nobody really talked to them. They got a welcome or a wave at the beginning, but they sat on that chair alone by themselves, or they were on the couch, but they weren't really communicated with. Um, and then they, they say, oh, we'd love to have you back next week. And it's like, you shouldn't have to make an invitation to come back. It should be so obvious that you've welcomed and invited them and pulled them into your community. And, and if you don't have space for that, sometimes that's the problem. That's where multiplication of life groups should be happening or young adult groups. That's what, um, you know, growth needs to happen. Because if you don't have room to grow, um, maybe there's a leader in your group or a, someone who could become a leader that could, could grow and create a new group that creates an opportunity for a bunch more people to find friends. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think, you know, that heart of invitation is, is just so important. And I think even like in a moment, like we're in right now, you know, as we record this, we're kind of at the start of this coronavirus stuff. And I think, there's a lot of people looking for, you know, just someone to connect with. And yeah, I think, you know, our leaders who are going after people and, and going, Hey, how can I invite you into my community? I think that's, yeah, so meaningful. What, what would you say, um, you know, you mentioned a couple of them there, but what would you say are some of the challenges that, that you've seen in groups that maybe some of your leaders face um, some of the obstacles that come with just doing community well, um, and then also what were, are some just the best parts about doing groups that kind of make it worth it, even though there are challenges? Yeah, I'm going to start with the best because that's exciting. Um, I think the best part of groups is you, you get to see people actually even more than probably us as pastors develop. And the, the story I love to tell, but one of my regional leaders, which is kind of like, not levels, but like it, it's the highest amount of responsibility in our ministry as a volunteer position. And, and so there's three of them in our ministry and they oversee about 10 to 15 life group leaders each. And so one of our regional leaders came uh, to our life group with his brother and his future sister-in-law. They were just dating at the time. And that couple, they were um, basically on the brink of their relationship. He wouldn't stop drinking and she wanted him to stop and he just would party and just was not really living for the Lord. And she, she wanted to get married, but didn't really want to marry somebody who was living that way. So then his brother comes and he's, um, loves to smoke weed and he loved Jesus, but he loved to smoke weed too. And, um, so they came to our group and we just were able to just disciple them and love on them. And, you know, three and a half years later from that point on, 
He's leading our region um, in a great successful relationship. One of our amazing leaders obviously is not smoking weed anymore, but he's just been on fire for God is leader of our setup team at our, at one of our campuses. I got to marry um, his brother and, and, you know, his wife and they just had a baby and like, they're just totally on fire for God and living for it. And it's like the transformation that you get to see as a life group leader. And that's just in three and a half years, which in young adult context is like forever, but in the scope of your life, that's not that long. And so that's my favorite part about it is you literally get to see people transform sometimes even on a weekly basis, but over the long term, um, it's an amazing thing to see. And obviously with that, there's challenges. Even what I talked about, you get people who show up to your group that are just not in the same place and you're trying to balance. Okay. Some people over here are like super strong Christians. They've been saved since they were, you know, a baby and their mom prayed over them. They didn't allow a dirt devil in the house vacuum because it was too, you know, non-spiritual. Um, they're oversaved. And then you got other people who literally just showed up off the street, so to speak, and they're partying still, they're living that lifestyle. And it's as a leader, you have to manage that tension between how do I still give the, the um, food to people who need it from, uh, who have been Christians for a while, but how do I present the grace of Jesus in, in a way that is still welcoming to people? And so that's a challenge. And I think it's a gift that people have. Um, and then another one that's a challenge, I think, is just, you know, figuring out how to deal with momentum swings. Because sometimes you're going to have groups, like literally this last fall, our group was probably close to 60 people every single week. Yeah. And I'm like, what on earth is happening? It was the start of the university campus um, or, or, or semester. And um, we're just getting tons of people showing up every single week. And so we split into multiple rooms and then we're splitting into another room and smaller groups and trying to figure it out. You know, and now this, this semester, we have probably around 15 showing up to that same group. There's been other groups that have been started from it, but I think you have this momentum of, oh, there's so many people showing up. But what's happening is people are getting discipled better, but it doesn't feel quite as good because you want it to be, oh, I want the people, I want the momentum. So dealing with those swings to know some weeks there's going to be three, four people that show up. Other weeks there's going to be 30 or 40. And some semesters are going to be rocking. Other semesters are going to be tough. But know that lives are being changed. People are growing. And this is what Jesus wants you to be doing. And I think that's something that we miss is, oh, this is what Pastor Josh wants me doing. Or this is what the young adult ministry wants me to be doing. This is what Jesus wants you to be doing. He wants you to be discipling people, breaking bread with people. It's cliche Christian words, but it's the truth. And so I know that was a little long, but I think that's a, um, a, the challenges and, and benefits of what, uh, what leading a group can be. Yeah, I know. That's so good. Yeah, I think the, I loved what you said about the momentum one, because, you know, I've even experienced that myself, you know, before I became a pastor, I was just a group leader at, at my last church. And yeah, there'd be those seasons, those weeks, even like week to week, one week, you have, you know, 35 people and it's bumping and it's just amazing. And then the next week there's like, you know, 13 and all of a sudden it just feels like, like what happened? And yeah, I think that that steadfast perseverance is so good. So, and I think it's perspective too, because if you had six and then you had 13, you're thinking this is the best time ever. And I think that's why sometimes we get mi mixed up with our numbers is we think numbers are the reason for why we do groups. And I think numbers are important. I, I think sometimes people bash on numbers because they're like, oh, like it's not about the numbers. It's about the individual. But then I think they're missing the point of the Great Commission. But then you have other people where it's like, it's all about the numbers. Just the bigger you get, the better you are. And I think Jesus was probably somewhere in between, or I, I'd hope from what I read, I think that. And so 
we want to be growing. Like we don't want our young adult ministry to just stay at the same spot. We don't want our groups to just stay at the same spot. But I do think if we're at 20, 30, 40 people, all of a sudden you have 25 people that are just totally not connected and they're just showing up to, you know, I don't know, meet somebody who's a pretty person or something, you know, or maybe they're just showing up because they have nowhere else to go. And so I think um, what we've tried to look at is from a numbers perspective, like anywhere from seven to like 13, 14 is probably your sweet spot from a group, but even, even maybe smaller, like the, the six, seven, eight from a discipleship standpoint is probably, you know, the, the best spot to live. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, right now, you know, with everything going on with uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19 and, and how that's affecting, you know, churches and, and just the world and, and people's um, community and ability to connect, you know, what's kind of your church and, and your young adult ministry doing to, you know, adapt, especially with your groups, like, you know, I'm assuming you guys are looking at some online options and our groups yeah. are just starting to launch right now as we record this video. So we're kind of right in this weird spot of like, we all had these plans ready to go and, and now they're completely up in the air and we're trying to shift. What's some of the stuff that, that you guys are doing or thinking on doing? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the biggest thing about pivoting with stuff like this and, you know, obviously when where people are watching this, we may be in the heat of something really bad or that coronavirus might be old news. It's moving so fast. We literally have no idea. Um, but I think it's first handling it with grace. I think it was right away what we did as a church is we were like, all right, let's like go, go, go. We got to create all this content. We got to do it. We got to do it. And I think right away we realized we were maybe missing it is it wasn't all about just getting as much content out there. Like what's it, what is, what are people really needing? What is their felt needs? What is um, the realities of what they're living in? And so we kind of pivoted to how can we care for people better? Um, but in this season for young adults specifically, um, we've leaned into digital life groups and um, basically that's, you know, we're on zoom right now, but it's using zoom, using Google, using FaceTime as an opportunity to connect with people. And um, we had our first digital life groups this past week and um, we have, you know, our second coming up here in a couple of days. And um, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I think the reports that I heard back was some people had really great groups. Other people it was a really a struggle. And I think that's okay. You know, I don't think we're here to say like, Oh, all digital life groups were just amazing. But like the one that I was a part of went really well. And I think there's a lot of community there that um, can happen. Um, but I think it's knowing where people are at. And if your group is smaller than you thought, well, it's because we happen to have a pandemic going on in the world. Like it's not because you're a bad leader. And sometimes we put that on ourselves, or it's not because you created a bad system. It's because the whole, everybody's system got blown up, you know? And so I think that's something to think about too, is, Hey, I'm, I'm going to try going digital, or I'm going to try doing this. We've been doing these interviews, you know, on our Instagram. Um, we've been, you know, trying to do new things, but I think the biggest win that we've experienced from it is we've actually, we have the list of everyone who's been active in our church in the last like uh, 18 months, I think it is, or it might be 12 months, but it's like over 20,000 people, you know, it's crazy. And it's like, we're calling every single one of them. And we've had some amazing calls of people who've lost their jobs or people who have, have family who have coronavirus or people who are dealing with stuff or they're worried about it. We've been able to pray with them. And some people are like, Hey, I'm totally fine. It's all good. Um, but I mean, thousands and thousands of calls that have been happening to people from all different age groups, but you know, young adults, you know, in our context. And I think that's something that I don't think we should miss is 
let's be the church. Let's be people. Let's be, you know, um, friends to the people who don't have friends. Let's be friends to the people who've lost their job. Let's be friends to the people who need it. Um, even though we're not able to be there and, and sit with them, we're able to connect with them in different ways. So that's been a big part of what we've been doing at our church that um, we've kind of put into our young adult ministry as well to just get in contact. And, um, you know, for us, it's FaceTime as many people as you can. Yeah, no, totally. I think, you know, for our church too, it's been responsive. Yeah. How do we just reach out and check in with people? I know, you know, last week for, for me and young adult is basically getting a bunch of text messages from people being like, Hey, I'm laid off work. You know, do you know anyone or kind yeah. of move where I live right now? And like, I don't even know if I can get into a new rental. What do I do? And Hey, pray for my family. They're all stuck in Europe. How do they get back? And yeah, I think a lot of people are just looking for someone to talk to, someone to pray with right now. And yeah, you know, it's tough, but everyone's getting hit differently. What, um, what kind of encouragement would you give to, you know, like I said, you know, a lot of our leaders are going to be listening to this and a lot of them are in this weird moment of they've been, a lot of them have been getting ready to lead groups the last couple of months and they're excited to start it. Now they're kind of hit with this curveball of, you know, something that's just unexpected and really changes how groups are going to run. What, what advice, what encouragement would you give them to, to, yeah, step into this next couple of weeks and months of leading in a, in a new way, unexpected way? Yeah, I, I think I always try and think of scripture and I literally, as you're asking that question, I just kind of ask God in my head, like, God, is there a verse that um, you can think of? And right away I was drawn to um, David and when his men uh, or Saul went into a cave and his men said, all right, this is your opportunity. The Lord has given him into your hands. You can go and kill Saul and take over the kingdom that is rightfully yours because God, you know, uh, had blessed him to be king and anointed him. And David does something totally different. He says, no, how am I to, you know, do it in my timing, not God's timing. He didn't feel right about it. And so instead what he did is he cut off a piece of his robe and he had a confrontation with Saul and said, look, I'm not your enemy. I'm for you. And I don't want to kill you. I could have, but I did. And so I think in this season, I think maybe the world or your own mind or your own perspective on what was going to happen with your groups or what's going to happen with, with this, you know, thing right now, it's like, don't let it be your timing. Don't try and push something through that isn't from God because there is a pandemic going on right now. There is a lot of people that are hurting that are trying to figure it out whether or not it's from the virus or not economically, there's a lot of people struggling. And so I think that it'd be, it'd be a shame if we tried to push our agenda forward through the midst of this. And what you're going to see on the other side is you're going to see something that is misshapen and misformed because it was pushed through something that was not the right door. And um, I think that's maybe wisdom for all of us is to be that way to say, you know what, I'm going to do something. I'm not going to just not do anything, but maybe it's going to look different than than even the people in my group thought it was. Maybe it's going to look different than the people who are in my world. Um, and maybe people aren't even going to like it. And that's the hardest part is people are going to, you know, critique it from both sides. That's something with our church. When we closed down our church before the government said we had to, you know, or do we keep it going when the government says we shouldn't meet it? You're going to hear it from both sides and you have to be okay with that and say, I'm listening to God. And so let's, let's choose that option. That isn't the option that makes maybe sense to everybody else let's choose the option that makes the sense makes sense to god so yeah uh, that's great i appreciate that 
encouragement to, to me as a leader, to all of our leaders. Um, yeah, to just be listening to God's voice in, in this season and being like, hey, what do you want to do here, God? Because none of us were, were ready for this. And yeah, I think sometimes God can move in, in pretty cool ways when we're kind of caught off guard. So I'm excited totally. to see what he does. Well, Logan, I've, I've appreciated you taking the time to just speak some life into our community, into our leaders, into our young adults. Um, yeah, just thank you again. And, and thank you for, you know, what you're doing at, at River Valley with 20 plus. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to see some of the stuff that you guys are putting out over the coming months with, you know, conversations with other leaders and, and all that stuff. So thanks, Logan. I appreciate it a lot. Love you guys. Have a good one, buddy. See ya.